My name is Stephen Wozniak, and I'm the guest host of Art World, the White Hot Magazine of Contemporary Art podcast. Today we're delighted to have both Dr. Joyce Tsai, the new director of the Clifford Still Museum in Denver, Colorado, and Bailey Placek, the museum's curator and catalog racine research and project manager on Art World, the White Hot Magazine podcast. Joyce, you spent over 10 years as a professor of art history, five as chief curator at the University of Iowa's Stanley Museum of Art, where you also acted as a professor and scholar at the University's School of Art and Art History. What was it like moving from a university museum setting with a diverse collection of fine art to taking over the directorship of a dedicated single artist institution such as the Clifford Still Museum? Well, thank you so much for that question. So I really come from the kind of university space. I come from a kind of research university background. One of the things that was really thrilling about being the chief curator of the Stanley Museum of Art, which is just opening this fall, is that I really kind of understood how much you can unpack from these kind of one-on-one encounters with artworks. And so I really came from a context where really emphasizing the power of individual artworks to give us access to different worlds, different perspectives, different ways of being and allowing us to kind of find the language to share these experiences was something that I really honed in the context of the University of Iowa, which is also home to the Writers' Workshop. So it was an incredibly rich kind of creative ecosystem that I had the privilege of being part of. From my perspective, coming to Denver and leading the Clifford Still Museum didn't really take me away from that kind of context. It actually allows me to to be embedded in a much larger creative ecosystem here in Denver. We are a single artist museum, and there are a couple of features that I want to kind of highlight about this museum. The collection actually belongs to the city and county of Denver. I think that's really significant. So the artist Clifford Still retained over 93% of everything he ever did, really held on to it in part because during his lifetime, it's almost as if he didn't really quite trust the world with the work <laughs> that he produced. And he really, he really kind of believed that this work could become an incredible resource, you know, for an American city. So he willed it to an American city. That's not something that most artists do. And so I think we can take that really seriously and to really kind of begin asking the question, what can museums really become? When we are, I think there are all sorts of advantages to working with a living, growing collection. But one of the advantages that I think we have when we have the the bulk of an artist's of from the earliest kind of figurative paintings to his late, expansive, open, airy, dynamic, you know, really daring, huge canvases, the kind of paintings that you really have to earn before you can make. It gives us access to a different model of artistic activity. It gives us a completely different model of the kind of world that that a work of art can engender. And it also gives us an opportunity to really hone in on the fundamental question of why does this museum exist and who do we serve? And I think the answer is really quite clear. We serve the very people who hold our collection as, you know, their own. When you reproduce a work by Clifford Still, the copyright reads copyright Clifford Still, City and County of Denver. Um, And I think that's really significant. 
and the other thing that I would also want to mention is that Denver is home to one of the most dynamic, creative ecosystems I've ever been in. And it's actually, it actually has one of the highest densities of creatives anywhere in the world. That's really remarkable, not something that a lot of people know about. But I think part of that has to do with the kind of ethos of this place. This is a city that actually has voted every 12 years to tax itself and to really tax itself for culture explicitly and created this um, organization, the SCFD, which just last year distributed $72 million to over 300 organizations in Denver and the surrounding areas. And 300 organizations from the biggest organizations to our organization to, you know, much smaller theaters, choral groups. And this kind of public civic investment in culture is something that I find incredibly moving and also, you know, speaks to the capacity of this community to create a kind of environment where the spirit of inquiry and open-ended asking and exploration, the things that one might associate with the university setting is actually very much possible within the context of this museum, this city, and this kind of creative community. Bailey, as a curator at the museum, you're charged with exhibition organization, special project management, and ordering the massive catalog racine of the work of Clifford Still. How long have you been at the museum and how has your job changed over time up to this point? Uh, the first five to seven years, I would say, of my job were uh, really focused on just understanding and getting to know what we even had and what was part of this massive estate that Clifford still had held on to and which his wife, Patricia, still uh, managed after his death in 1980 until she selected Denver in 2004. Uh, after she passed away in 2005, so she unfortunately didn't get to see the museum being built or, you no. know, finished. But the work was all transferred to a facility in Maryland. We started to receive shipments soon after, I guess, the museum was built. And we had received the full collection by the end of 2011. That first couple of years was really just all about cataloging, inventorying, digitizing, learning it inside and out, um, establishing systems for its ongoing care, access and research. And then, you know, after we completed the inventory, I'd say um, we completed the inventory of works on paper in, I guess, uh, December of 2012. So we did that relatively quickly. And then uh, we completed the paintings inventory in 2018. So it took a lot longer. But after that, it, my job is really focused towards finding and supporting creative ways to activate that collection and making it more accessible to a wider audience. Uh, whether that be through ex uh, exhibitions, programming, um, digital initiatives, or the Catalog Raisonne project. But, you know, I would say that throughout it all, my aim really hasn't wavered from those first early days, which has always been to just really honor Still's legacy, making his contributions known and more widely available across the world. That's a big endeavor. <laughs> <laughs> and a multi-team endeavor. How many are on staff? you know, specific on the curatorial staff? Uh, on the curatorial staff, it's really, so that's kind of shifted over the years. Prior to Joyce, it was our chief curator was our director. I worked with him as well as guest curators. 
Um, and then Joyce has come on. And so now her and I are working together. And so it's really just, just us. Um, and, you know, we have a larger collections staff. So we have right. a registrar and conservators on staff and two archivists. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've always worked closely to mount a pretty ambitious exhibition program. So Joyce, the museum has been up and running for about a decade now. What is your vision and trajectory of action for, say, the next five to 10 years for the Clifford Still Museum? You know, I think to answer that question, I just want to kind of summarize where we've been so that we can kind of talk about where we're pivoting. The first 10 years is this kind of moment where there was a great deal of, uh, there were a lot of questions about what exactly a single artist museum would be. Building itself came together and the fundraising came together in the middle of an economic crisis. And so there were a lot of these kind of existential questions that were being posed. And, you know, I think a lot of the focus of the first 10 years was really laying the groundwork to show the world how, first of all, I mean, the, the building itself is exquisite. Um, like by Yeah, by <laughs> Brad Clotful. And most of the paintings in our collection really haven't been seen you know, by the world. And so the paintings that are out there in the wild by Clifford Still are seen as these little kind of like, it's like you catch them out in the wild and they're really thrilling. And you know, having a museum where all of his paintings are together, arranged in this space where unusually the art and the architectures, not just complement one another, but like really resonate and mm-hmm. allow us to kind of experience this um, work in, in really new fundamental ways. I think that was one of the kind of signal achievements of the, the kind of curatorial activity that Dean Sobel Bailey embarked upon. You know, I think there was also a kind of scholarly apparatus that was being built um, by people like David Anfam that really sought to place a spotlight on still the really brilliant artist, leading artist of American abstract expressionism. That groundwork has been laid and it's been really important. I also want us to keep in mind that 2011 and 2022 are worlds apart. The kind of challenges that we face and the kinds of the kind of questions that we are open now to posing, the work that we now see, you know, possible that the museum can do have fundamentally changed, um, and it's changed in, in part. We are in this incredibly fortunate position to be able to kind of build upon that strong foundation that's been laid before us. And, you know, in the next, just really in the future or at this moment, I think one of the most thrilling things for us to do is to dig into our archives, to really dig into our collections, really start, you know, engaging with this material with a kind of openness, with a sense of curiosity and criticality to allow us to see how still became so successful from a different perspective. You know, I think the kind of traditional conception of artistic achievement is oftentimes bound up with really an unrealistic kind of um, fantasy of genius, right? When you look at somebody like Still and his achievements, 
it, we could easily, and, and also because of his reputation. I, I mean, this is a man who kind of decided, no, I don't want to play with anybody. I'm just going to go to all, go off. and like, it's like the Marlena you know, Dietrich of the art world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sort of like, I'll see you later. I'm going to go do my own thing in my own time. That's not a completely accurate, I mean, that's, that's his reputation, but that's not a completely accurate account of um, what actually unfolded. And I think it's actually really helpful for artists to understand that a life's work has its ups and downs. A life's work has kind of moments where you're at an impasse and you have to make certain decisions and then they're manifest in the paintings themselves. So like having 93% also means having, having periods of his work where you can kind of feel the difficulty, but then you can also feel the breakthroughs mm -hmm. and having this kind of like incredibly robust archive also helps us see that Still's success was always predicated on the on the admiration of others, by the commitment of others. If we actually attend to the people who built him his platform mm -hmm. and shown, you know, shown the light on him, they the included- Peggy Guggenheims of the world and people- Yes, it's that. the yeah, Peggy yeah. Guggenheims, yeah. it's the Betty Parsons, yeah, it's yeah. the Dorothy Millers. And who were the artists that really challenged him and like engaged with him that he pushed up against, that he also formed tight friendships, but also had falling out with. It's people like Jackson Pollock, but also, you know, Rothko, Barney Newman, kind of enemy, frenemy. Right, but, right. You know, <laughs> but like at the same time, I think part of what happens when we actually attend to the networks that he was embedded in, we actually get a picture of America at mid-century. We get a picture of abstract expressionism that isn't just simply dominated by men who right. are geniuses. And as heroes, if right. <laughs> right. Instead, we actually start understanding the canny of uh, this community, the extent to which people were incredibly tactical and strategic about the media about this kind of like burgeoning interest in these mythologies. And I think that's actually, you know, incredibly valuable for young artists or living artists today to begin to see themselves as part of an integrated community. And it's something that really kind of struck me when I first moved here and again, started getting, you know, familiarity with the kind of creative community here in Denver. Um, I think there's very much a kind of spirit of rising tide floats all boats. And I think that is a kind of ethos that I'm really committed to building kind of perspective on Still's achievement that I think is really valuable for us. And, you know, I think along with that, it's really important for us to bring new perspectives to bear on this collection and these archives. So we're really excited that we're working, we're going to continue working with guest curators. Our next guest curatorial project is uh, with a brilliant artist and curator, Catherine Simone Reynolds, who's a curator at Counter Public in St. Louis. And she's going to be joining us and really going to be, you know, engaging with this material from a perspective of what does it mean for an artwork to need to rest? What does it mean for an artwork to show its wounds? Yeah. And the metaphorics of that 
also have to you know, resonate with us now after everything that we've all experienced. That's a very long-winded, pure, <laughs> it's, it's, brief that's a, question. That's the tip of an iceberg that will we'll reach soon. We'll reach the bottom soon. Bailey, let's talk a little bit about the upcoming Clifford Still Museum's You Select, a community curated exhibition. After art museum goers place their votes for Still's work to be seen, you arranged their exhibition space placement, wrote object placards and supporting media content, drove a marketing campaign, and of course, many other operations to mount the show. Tell us a little bit about what you do as a curator in the context of this special exhibition. Yeah, so this uh, exhibition is definitely a little bit different. From the beginning, we really wanted our audience to play such a central role in its development. It's the culminating show in our 10-year anniversary year. So it was, we did three shows, you know, we kind of conceived of that year starting in November of 2021 and running through um, November of 2022. And so Throughout that year, we have reflected back on our past 10 years. Our first show was kind of a celebration of how far we've come in terms of our own learnings about our collection. Then our current exhibition, Clifford Still Art in the Young Mind, is an exhibition curated by young children. And then this final exhibition is an exhibition that we wanted to, you know, hand over the curatorial reins to our community. We learned a lot in the development of our current exhibition, still art and young minds. We wanted to figure out ways to carry some of that forward, some of those findings about ways to successfully engage your community. So for instance, one of those things that we are carrying forward is in our current exhibition, every label is, every piece of interpretive material in the exhibition is uh, led by a child's voice. And so their, you know, voices and perspectives are really central in the show. And so we will be mirroring that with community selects uh, when the community participants uh, cast their votes for this exhibition. They were asked to provide their own thoughts, perspectives about those votes that uh, they cast. And so I've had the privilege of kind of culling through all of those perspectives and pulling out many of them to kind of lead the tone and the voice for the exhibition. It's centered around five themes that are connected in some way to communities that had an impact in Still's own life over the course of his career. So then I, uh, I selected 15 or 20 works for each of those themes that I thought represented them in some significant way. Then, you know, turn those over to the community to pick from. We're really hoping that by including our community participants' voices, as well as arranging it in these five themes, the intersections between Stills communities and our own current communities kind of rise to the forefront of the show. And so we're really able to show and highlight the ways that our the museum's contemporary community is expanded and deepened by these own extended networks that um, Joyce was just talking about. So I'm really excited to see kind of how it all plays out and, and fits in, fits all together. We're deep in the planning stages still, but I think it'll start to start to see it all come together here in the next couple months. And I'm sure you're documenting it heavily and we'll probably summarize it somehow 
as a record yeah. for us. I mean, I'm, that's just my <laughs> professional guess. There's somebody, there's somebody wielding a camcorder or an iPhone sort of catching little glimpses. Of <laughs> well, yeah, we definitely that. photograph. And, you know, now with so much of our uh, work done, you know, hybrid like this on Zoom, that was, you know, one of the greatest things about our current exhibition, uh, Young Minds. So much of the collaboration and planning for that was recorded. This is a question for both Joyce and Bailey. I recently listened to and watched Joyce's talk, Embodying Care, a keynote on the past, present, and future of the Clifford Still Museum from last November about your understanding of Still's work and a few critical ideas about the path ahead for the museum. There's an interesting section toward the end that features a wonderful Still photographic image of both of your young daughters, sort of providing interpretive dance moves in relation to a large, bright, late-era Still painting. How much have your positions as mothers influenced your primary work at the museum, including its critical outreach programs and formal exhibitions? Because I think it's pretty important. Joyce later says in that talk, quote, there are things that children know we would benefit from relearning, end quote, which sounds a bit like a uh, Picasso quote, but I, I like the way that you put it much better, of course. Tell us what you mean by that. And tell us a little bit about the current exhibition, Clifford Still, Art, and the Young Mind, for which the intent is to reveal how children think about art. I think I can speak for both of us as mothers. <laughs> it does absolutely shape some of our, you know, our commitments, observations, but also, I have to say for myself, having a child has fundamentally reoriented my understanding of what art is, the kind of capacity of art, <laughs> mm -hmm. that it actually allows, you know, looking at art with my child allows me to break out of the kind of habits of seeing and habits of speaking about artworks that uh, I'm a trained art historian. Those, th there's so much of, you know, the history of art is really predicated on understanding the ways in which forms have histories and lineages and traditions and and all of that is incredibly important and that said i think what's really powerful about clifford still's work is that his abstract paintings were so i mean people described i think it was uh i think it was Pollock, who described him as almost frighteningly original, you know, part of that was to really, and, and the fact that still doesn't give us titles to hang our hats on interpretively, that he is so incredibly daring about his use of color, and yet, and yet he's willing to kind of like risk a huge painting and make it all turn on a tiny little intervention of color. And these, these are works that have meaning that gets unlocked and gets unlocked with our bodies. And I don't think that we as grown human beings or grown people going to museums, oftentimes we don't trust ourselves with our bodies in you know, a museum setting, but children do. Children will stand in front of a painting and there is something really powerful about standing in front of a strong gesture made by a painter with a huge sweep of the arm extended. And you feel that arm go up. 
and we as adults don't let our arms go up. (laughs) (laughs) The children do. And I think when they do that, there is something incredibly satisfying about the ways in which what a painter achieves in those works is a a kind of meaning making that draws us to, is it to mirror it or mimic it or to embody it, to, to make meaning with our bodies. And each time we're moved to do that, we're also moved to turn to the other person standing next to Mm -hmm. us and try to find the words to describe what made us do that. Children are constantly doing that. Children are constantly kind of, they're playing with language, they're learning language, they're learning their bodies, and they have this kind of urgent desire to share. And that urgent desire to share is oftentimes so unfettered by convention and so kind of invested in wanting you to see what they see, but that really working with the, the, the kind of textures of language to try to kind of get that across. I think that's incredibly beautiful. And I think it's something that we, if we slowed down and if we slowed down and tried to be as precise as possible about what we're experiencing, and if we seek to share that experience with, a kind, with the kind of generosity of a child, I think it could do a lot to transform our, just our kind of day-to-day civic discourse. I think Clifford still would agree with you. I mean, he talks about that. There's a famous still quote that says, as before, the pictures are to be without titles of any kind. I want no illusions to interfere with or assist the spectator. Before them, I want him or her to be on their own, and if he or she finds in them an imagery unkind, unpleasant, or evil, let them look to the state of their own soul. You know, it's up to the viewer, which is obvious. I mean, it sounds obvious, but he had to make that clear. I was just going to add that, you know, he didn't trust writers because he didn't trust words. Right. And he wanted, he because that's not what his, his works were about. They're about what Joyce was saying, you're feeling, and those, you know, indescribable bodily reactions that you have standing in front of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things that Nicole Camardi, my co-curator for Young Minds and I were just so struck by and what we, we made this, a central idea of this current exhibition about the joy that we can gain from looking at art with one another and looking at art with children. You know, we wanted that to rise to the front for this exhibition because, you know, we were so struck by just how confident these children were in interpreting the works Mm -hmm. and they have no, they're not self-conscious at all. They just, you know, stride right up and say (laughs) that this reminds them of a swamp monster and (laughs) they then make the noise of a swamp monster. And it's just like mind blowing because that's what you're supposed to do. And I think so many adults come into our museum and stand in front of these giant monumental abstractions and have no understanding or background or they're, they're afraid. They don't, they don't understand the works and that makes them uncomfortable and they want to leave and then they don't like it. And they, point is, you know, they don't need any background. You don't need anything to stand in front of these and get something out of it. And I think that children can teach us that. And that's, you know, one of the main things that we hope that people get when, if they come to this exhibition or that we hope to kind of continue to um, highlight in future exhibitions through interpretive materials, you know, audio experiences and other opportunities. 
You mentioned an artist who was enlisted to curate a show at the Clifford Still Museum, and of course, many other contemporary artists have been brought in, like Mark Bradford, Ronnie Horn, Julian Schnabel, to curate still shows through their perspective and experience as artists. Has the museum featured the work of other artists in relation to Still's work at the museum, or are the walls exclusive to just Clifford Still? It's all Clifford Still. Yeah. We have had musicians, so we've uh, we've had Mark Mothersbaugh actually, sure, Devo, from Devo, was, who was our first artist select curator, and he composed some music in response to Clifford Still's works that we had via headphones accessible with the works that he had selected. And we've had other artists, you know, kind of perform. Adam Milner is an artist that we've worked with who does, you know, multimedia, but also kind of conceptual and performance art. And he's done things in the museum, but in terms of visual works, yeah. It really is a museum where you're not going in there looking for like the next thing or the masterpiece or something like that, because it's all from the same artist. But when you actually attend to each individual painting, they have such different kind of ways of being around each other and us. The early work from the kind of Great Depression has a completely different feel than, um, you know, his abstractions. And so there's a huge range uh, on view. But beyond that, I think precisely because our collection isn't really going to grow any at any point, one of the things that allows us to do is actually focus all of our energies on figuring out, figuring out new ways of activating the space mm-hmm. and activating the collection and the, and the archives. Mm-hmm. And so in a lot of respects, this infrastructure that we have feels some in some respects like less like a collecting museum and more like a Kunsthalle of ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it allows us to kind of be much more experimental. I mean, we we are doing a show that really has been co-curated with children and children in our community. Um, and that, that really is unprecedented. And it's in part because we are, you know, focused that allows us to be really experimental in the kind of projects we undertake. I have another question, which is obviously you know, the intention for the Clifford Sill Museum is to draw viewing audiences to the museum site, to to see shows, to participate in community activities, to engage directly. But with the massive body of work that you house there, it it begs the obvious question, which is, are there inroads to creating a comprehensive or or even smaller exhibition of Still's work that travels to other major institutions, or has it happened already? It has happened already. So there is a precedence for that. So uh, there was a really amazing show. Bailey, you can speak to it better than I can, was at the Royal Academy in London and also at Bilbao. It's really, those were exhibitions that were groundbreaking because again, so few of our paintings have been seen out in the world. You know, the the sheer range and the swath of work that we hold really will fundamentally transform, I think, the scholarship on still. And so I think we don't don't do traveling shows or loans lightly or frequently. But it is absolutely something that we're looking at down the line. I mean, ultimately, it is an ad for the museum, you know, by sending yeah, it out absolutely. there and bringing it around. I think it's a sort of access that. All right, this is an absolutely unrelated question, which is who are among your favorite artists who aren't Clifford still? 
You don't um, have to dwell on this because I know the focus is the museum. Yeah, just, I, will, I will just off like, the top of your head. Yeah, I I mean I have to say Pablo Picasso is has has been and always will be my yeah, number one. Is there a certain guy. period? <laughs> yeah, uh, since I was uh, you know in sixth grade, I have kind of been obsessed with him. I celebrate his birthday every year, but also I also have to say Georgia O'Keeffe. Yeah. Are there periods are from their work that you particularly like or just the whole move? Picasso, I would have to say his whole life. Um, I think it's more his story than any any mm -hmm. particular time. And Georgia, same. I think I'm I'm very drawn to the whole single artist from start to finish, yeah. really digging into a single artist's uh, life and scope of work is is my jam. So <laughs> Joyce, you've 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 seen a lot of art. And over time, so <laughs> yeah. this is this is almost an impossible question to answer. But um, who do you like? I love Morris Lewis. Yeah, he like just those unfurls and the veils and like, yeah. you know, I love his paintings the way that I love Stills paintings. Those are paintings where you stand in front of, and it's just kind of like, ugh, mm. it makes your body do things and. They're just incredible, but I also love, you know, somebody like Tacita Dean, who's like the film work. I just love what she does with emulsion and, you know, the the kind of um, the way she plays with, you know, filming film. And she do a lot of optical printing. And she she does the you know traditional film. There's a film that she did about the last film make making company in France. I see. I see. Um, yeah. And that's a it, it's a really beautiful, beautiful film because you can see these chemicals and emulsions being mixed and it just mirrors the kind of film stock itself. And I just love that kind of I'm a sucker for texture. Um, <laughs> but uh, I also just love her huge drawings or, you know, smaller ones, too. Yeah. Charles oh, Ray. I love Charles, Charles Ray. Ray. He's amazing. Yeah, it mm -hmm. is totally amazing. Yeah, thank you both so much. What are the dates for you select a community curated exhibition at the Clifford Still Museum? It opens August 19th and it runs through February 12th. Fantastic. Are there going to be some extra special events centered around that that you're planning on or are you developing those right now? Yeah, we're developing that right now, but we just got confirmation that we are getting uh, Seth Rodney and Lisa Yun Lee and Sierra Vandergroek to talk about critique as radical love in wow. January. We're really excited about that conversation. You two are too cool. I really want to thank you very much for giving me a little bit of your day. I know you're both busy doing what you do and plus your life outside of the museum. So um Thank you. It's a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for your contribution. I'm your guest host, Stephen Wozniak, and thanks for listening to Art World, the White Hot Magazine of Contemporary Art Podcast.